Reitman University. Beyond the Classroom, where real life lessons unfold. With Nir Horowitz and Oren Nathan. How's it going, everyone? And welcome back to Beyond the Classroom, a show that we come together every week to hear different success stories from different industries, hoping to spark some sort of inspiration in you. Today's guest is actually someone that I know quite well and I look up to. He is the he is a board member in tons of different medical startups and an associate at Orbimed, and not and more importantly, an amazing father, Michel Zar. It is a pleasure having you with us here today. It's a pleasure being here. How are you? How's everything? Doing well. Doing well. Thank you. Um, so a bit of uh, I'll give some background. I actually live a floor below Michel. And uh, the second I started this podcast, I thought immediately that I have to bring him on. He is truly uh, fascinating. Um, the story is amazing. And I had I had to share it with uh, the audience. So let's start with a bit about you. Where did you grow up? Sure. Yeah. So I grew up actually not far from here in Ocelia, uh by the beach. And the reason I'm mentioning that is that I was sailing for, since I was a child. And I think, you know, going out to the sea, sailing, dealing with the wind and the waves, teach you a lot of lessons that you can kind of carry on and stays with you throughout challenges in life. I see, I see. So um, you found uh, your way into the medical industry. Um, how, how did your childhood uh, shape that interest? Or were you always interested, interested in, in going into this industry? So yeah, actually, um, um, both of my parents are physicians, which obviously had an impact. And actually, if we have done this podcast you know, five, seven years ago, I would say that... Uh, my trajectory, my plan is to be a cardiologist, an invas- invasive cardiologist. But uh, things have changed uh, while I was in medical school. Um, yeah, and I guess more on that uh, as, as, we, as we go along. So you always, you know, you dreamt of being a, a cardiologist. That was... I mean, not, not specifically a cardiologist, but a physician. Again, you know, w- when you see it at home, both of my parents are psychiatrists, by the way. Uh, when you see it at home and, you know, as a child... Um, and you and you see the kind of influence and respect and the amount of help that a trained physician um, uh, can, can do and and you know the, the the center that he plays in the community in his environment um, and the body of knowledge which is fascinating you know kind of made me made me want to go in the same path very interesting so you Okay, so from there, you know, growing up, you went to the army, um, and I know the your experience. But can you share with us what was your army experience like? Sure, sure. Uh, I was in the army overall, a bit less than six years. I was in Seret Matkal, um, started as a combat, uh, and then after finishing the training, I went to a paramedic uh, school, which was new at the time at the unit, uh, meaning. You can be not only as a combat soldier, but also as a paramedic and kind of administer on the field um, uh, care. 
and then I went to officer schools, and then I was a commander for a few years. And you know, after I finished the army, after six, just as I mentioned, after just less than six years, and after that, a few months after, I started medical school. Wow, it's a very very fast tradi- <laughs> transition. Would you change anything in your service? Was there anything any highlights, any lows? How did how did it shape you? I'm asking here two questions, but how did your service make you the person you are today? Yeah, so. I will answer that with with the with the negative. I don't think I would you know I would have been the same person uh, if I didn't go to to the unit. You know it shaped me in so many ways. I, so much so I cannot imagine myself uh, differently. Um, you know you you ask about lows, so there was there were a lot of those. <laughs> I mean obviously this is very intense. The training is intense. The 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 environment, um, the missions, uh, and afterwards as a commander, you know, you get a lot of um, complicated situations. Uh, but I think you, again, like sailing, you get you, you get to learn a lot of lessons, right? Uh, and you get to learn a lot of lessons that you can really use those lessons later on in life. So, you know, the that was a long answer to a short question, but I guess the the answer is yes. It did shape me. I'm I'm sure. Did you did you not want to stay for longer? You know, when people are already in the army for so long, they they obviously want you to stay. Yeah, that that that's true. That's true. The army was was a fantastic experience for me, but you know, after you know five and somewhat years, I I kind of felt that you know this is the maximum I could give, and this is the maximum I can get, and this kind of uh, relationship reached a plateau and as you know and as I mentioned uh, I really wanted to kind of uh, be a physician and and since I had kind of a medical education through paramedical through paramedical school and uh, paramedical training you know I really wanted to take it to the next step which is obviously medical school how important do you think being in combat you know of course uh, you served in the most elite unit in the army but in general how important do you think going to going through this experience of the army at the age of 18 is for for people yeah so i guess the only point of comparison that one has is comparing to other countries where you know serving in the army is not mandatory and it's definitely you know it's definitely uh shaping uh, all kinds of service, not necessarily combat. Uh, but I think in combat service, you have kind of additional edge when you really get this confidence that whatever happens, you can find your way because you get into really difficult and unknown situation and you eventually find your way. And this kind of uh, thinking become a habit. And this habit is, is becoming a part of you and you take it to, to your professional life, to the educational life and so on. So... Yeah, I guess it, it it does change the way you think. You finished the army. You went straight into medical school. Right. You studied at Ben Gurion. How how was that experience? Do you and my? I'm gonna have a follow up question because we talked about this on the way here. Yeah. Um, getting into medical school in Israel is uh, is one of the hardest things ever, in my opinion. <laughs> um, how do you think? Do you think that should change? Do you th- do you think the standards are too high? Yeah, so so let let me answer the the last question first. So I definitely, it's not that the standard is too high; it's just the wrong standard, in my view, in my humble opinion. Um, so you know, 
the reason that this is hard is because you need a high psychometry SAT score um, and you need high grades, which are really high. Um, and I'm not sure that this necessarily correlate with a good physician or I should be more blunt. I'm pretty sure this is not correlate. There is no correlation. Um, and you know, this Ben Gurion Medical School was a fantastic ex experience for me. It's a great medical school. One of the reasons is that the actual faculty is on the uh, area of the hospital. So it's, you know, very close proximity, right? And you get to be in the hospitals from day one. Um, and hence you get a very, a lot of hands-on experience. And I'm a strong believer in a hands-on experience. And when you practice as a physician, when I did in, in, in doing my uh, stage and internship, you know, I kind of, the, the one year that you do uh, different departments, you kind of realize how much this experience is built into your hands, into your thinking. And when you encounter a difficult situation with a patient, you really kind of, you don't have to dig deep. You just, you just have it kind of in your fingertip. Uh, so so uh, I would say that was a great experience. I'm sure. Um, you finished medical school. You know, now I'm going to ask a completely different question, but, you know, what is your definition of success? You know, it, it may have been in the army and it obviously changes over time. Yeah, so, you know, there are two definitions, I think, in my view. Uh, one is uh, external, which is, you know, finishing medical school, uh, finishing the, the, the training in, in, in the unit, um, finishing business school, um, you know, getting the salary, getting this title, and so on and so forth, which is the less important one. And uh, I, I think the important one would be uh, to kind of beat yourself, right? So you get to a certain level, and then you dream, you want, you have ambition to something else, um, which is not exactly something that you can measure, right? It's not, it's not a title, it's not a degree, uh, it's, not, it's not a level of bonus, it's something else. And when you get to that, to that point, this is a success. Um, and, and, you know, I think thinking about those two differently kind of help you navigate through what's really important to invest time, money, energy in. I see. Um, honestly, I, have to, I resonate with that. I really agree. I do agree with you. Um, going back to your story, you finished medical school. Um, again, I forgot to actually mention at first that he co-founded and, and was a CEO of Orion.id, um, which I will ask you about in a second. But what was your first job after medical school? So yeah, actually, my first job was prior to medical school or doing, you know, kind of those few months between the army and medical school. Um, I co-founded a company that called Amtex. It was together with two other paramedics from elite unit uh, in the army. Uh, one from Shaldag uh, and one from Dudevan. And the idea was to kind of provide, uh, I would say, um, paramedic and healthcare services to elite units and security around the, around the world. Uh, we used all our uh, army money, of course, after if you stay in the army for, for a longer time, uh, you get paid better. So we used all our army money to establish this, this company and like happened in many cases after I think three months, I, I had my car and the clothes that I was wearing because we, we lost everything. 
uh, because we didn't price the, the projects right and so on. But uh, the end of the story is actually quite, quite interesting and quite nice. You know, the company is still operating and existing. We, we, we were able to retrieve all our losses and, and you know, kind of make this uh, prosper company. Um, and in the second year of medical school, I, I, you know, I thought to myself that there, you know, I would like to do something different. So I sold part of my company to the other two partners. And with that, I established Orion ID, um, which was a digital health company dealing with uh, depression. Uh, the idea is that you can measure and detect and diagnose uh, depression using mobile uh, usage. So since, you know, many of the indicator of depression is uh, intersocial interaction and many of the intersocial interaction is done via cell phone use, if you can harness this data passively, you can actually, you know, help those patients. Uh, it was a naive idea, uh, but, you know, I got, you know, the, 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 the portion that I got from the MTAX from the first company, which was, you know, qu quite large, uh, w helped me establish that. I raised for this... Um, uh, startup 3 million euros, uh, mostly in grants, so non-dilutive funding. And this is kind of what drew me to thinking about the way we should uh, treat patient uh, and the way we should think about the relationship between patient and physician, patient and caregiver differently. And hence, I... Uh, and, and, and there was a time, you know, after I raised the money that I felt that I don't have the actual... Uh, tools to kind of manage this project. Uh, I was the founder and the CEO, so I started uh, MBA here. And uh, you know, I was and, just about to say that. How was how was your experience here at, at Reichmann? Yeah, so you know, I did the MBA uh, doing my fourth and fifth year of medical school, and uh, it's it's two different worlds completely. So a it was in parallel, which was difficult schedule-wise, right? So I used to, at plus it was in Bersheva and, and here. So I used to kind of get out of a test in Friday from medical school early, one hour early, to start the test here one hour late and to make sure that, you know, I pass those two tests in order to kind of combine those two degrees together. Um, but, you know, putting aside the schedule difficulty, I would say that it was kind of learning a new language for me, the business language, I mean, because I had the experience and I felt it hands-on both in my first company and then, you know, doing my second company. But, uh, you know, kind of learning the basics, the finance, the marketing, the strategy, the negotiation, which is completely different thinking frame than you have in medical school. Um, I remember that, you know, I, I used to do a test or, 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 or you know, kind of a work for each one of them, and I, I would mix the initials, right? So I would have to remind myself, you know, this is not mitral valve prolapse; it's <laughs> minimal valuable product, probably because you're, you know, you're you're in you're in marketing uh, a class. Um, yeah, but this this was quite an experience, and uh, you know, ever since I'm very uh, connected to this place, the IDC. I mean, uh, I really like the way you know the vision. Uh, education envisioned the future, and they were helpful. Uh, you know, they were helpful. They were they were helping me. They knew I was uh, doing medical school, and you know, they were they were very uh, kind of supportive. That's amazing. So you're saying uh, both of your kids are going to come here? <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, hopefully. Well, um, that's a, first of all, I didn't even get the comment about. I didn't even know in depth about uh, your your 
your second company that which deals with the, with depression. I think that's very, very, very important. Um, honestly, remarkable. After doing your MBA, what what did you what was what was the plan? Was so yeah, you know, I, I was I was again as I mentioned earlier in in our conversation. I, I was always I was really into hands-on practice. Uh, you know, practice as a physician, cardiology was was really one one avenue. And uh, after you finish medical school, you do one year in Hebrew it's called stage, kind of an internship where you go in different uh, departments, uh, internal, uh, pediatric, and so on and so forth. And uh, you have a few months that you can choose uh, where you know, where you want to be an intern, you know, in the future. So I chose cardiology, obviously, and, you know, I loved it. I loved the excitement. I loved the body of knowledge. I loved the team. I loved uh, the intensity. Uh, but inside, you know, I had this this fire that was kind of, you know, growing, doing, uh, doing an MBA, and I thought to myself that the medical world is going to change dramatically in the next 10, 15, 20 years. And, you know, the question for me personally, where I want to be when this change actually uh, manifests. Um, and I thought I should be in a place where I can use my medical knowledge, my business knowledge, my knowledge as an entrepreneur to kind of build companies and, uh, you know, help them really shift that change. Um, and I think that, uh, and I thought that the best way to do it is to be part of a fund um, and there are a few really good um, medical funds here in Israel. And, you know, so, you know, I, I started shopping around in parallel and just a few months, two months actually, after I finished uh, this uh, internship, the stage, I was, uh, I started at Orbimed. Wow. Where I'm here today. Wow. That's amazing. How do you how do you stay motivated? How do you you know? It, I think it's almost everyone's problem. I'm sure you love what you do because uh, you've you've been at it for so long. But how do you? St- what keeps you inspired? So I you know I would like to mention at this point something that you know, being part of the medical world and being part of the let's say, uh, internship uh, or innovation world and being part of a fund you always have this feeling that the grass is greener in the other side, right? Uh, so let me tell you a known secret. 95% of any work is gray, is boring, is non, not exciting, right? Think about a physician, right? I don't know, a surgeon, right? So you would say, yeah, he's going into the room, he's, he cuts, he, he fixed, he gets out, he, he puts the tumor out, he throws his gloves. Saves he, lives. He saves lives, he goes to the family, you know, <laughs> put his mask off and say, you know, he's going to be fine and go sailing t- to the sunset. Well, this is hardly the case. You know, he was preparing for this surgery many, many hours. He was, he had to write the report after the surgery. Again, 90 to 95% hard, gray work. And also, you know, as, as you think about CEO and founder of a company, exciting, you know, raising money, giving presentation and so on and so forth. But then again, you know, most of the time you're sitting alone, with your deck, trying to kind of figure out uh, what to put where, solving problems, um, putting out fires and so on. So again, 90% hard, great work. And a fund, again, you know, going to meetings, meeting VCs, visiting and board. The truth is most of the time you 
spend doing diligence, reading articles, you know, going into the green and nitty details of each company, looking at Excel sheets and trying to combine all of it together. So, you know, you, you ask about motivation and I talked about uh, gray work, which is kind of contradicting. But the thing is that when you have that in mind, you understand that in order to be really good at what you do, you have to be really good at this 90, 95%, right? You have to be really good at this gray work. I like that, yeah, well. And, and there's, you know, if there's a shortcut, uh, if anybody knows on, on shortcut, please text me, ping me, <laughs> WhatsApp me, LinkedIn me, because I, 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 I'm, I'm, I, I haven't found one. It's just, you know, doing the work, walking the walk. There, there is nothing. And uh, I, uh, I agree. It's, uh, it's imp- a lot of people, you know, this, uh, people call my generation, uh, the instant generation. They want everything now. And like you said, with shortcuts, but it's, uh, it's very far from that. It's very far from that. People have become lazy. We talked earlier about when you opened your first company with your two uh, paramedic from Sheldag and the paramedic from uh, Duvdevan. Right. When that went south, you're, you're living in your car. <laughs> what? How do you how do you come back from that? How do you so, react? So yeah, you know, again, uh, one has to, to to mention that was a different age, right? I was twenty three at the time. Uh, the only responsible I had is me. Uh, yeah, so you know, it it went off really quickly because we we didn't manage it right, right? We we, we used to give quotes, uh, you know, for for works, and we didn't calculate the the interest from the bank to, to kind of, uh, you know, finance those work or to finance the equipment. And we always paid the instructors. We, we hired instructors f- before we, we paid ourselves, right? Um, so, yeah, but, you know, so really in that case, I had, you know, that was back to the wall. It was either closing or do everything it can. Uh, I learned a lot doing this process from both of my partners uh, and, you know, from exactly going through this experience. Um, and you know, that really helped me think about the way you think about any venture, um, and the way you plan it forward and, you know, how much reserve do you put aside and so on and so forth, because I actually experience, experience it on myself. In terms of habits outside of work, I can tell you, um, I can tell you guys that, uh, I go to the gym. I try to get there at around eight. 7.45 every morning and Michelle is already there <laughs> before me. Um, what have you read? What, what what do you like to do in your free time? Yeah. So this is obviously, you know, shifted uh, around the years. Uh, and since, uh, as mentioned, I have two young boys, um, which I adore and love, but uh, get up early. Uh, so, so, you know, in order to find your time, and, and for me, it's extremely important to find my time, to find my focus, I have to get up really early. Um, so I get up, uh, you know, really like 5 or 5.30. I, I usually use the kind of first hour. I don't touch my phone. I use the first hour to read and focus. And then I, I'm going either to the gym, to run, or doing a Muay Thai boxing. Um, and I do it. Every day, six six days a week, and one day I'm doing um, a kind of um, you know relaxing uh, session. Um, and I, I I'm mentioning that because you know each and every one has his own timing, uh, but the key point is to find at least an hour for yourself, doing something that you actually love, being in quiet detached from electronics, detached from, you know, emails and media and anything, and kind of, 
you know, doing something else, reading, I'm reading something, usually uh, materials, books that are not related to work, definitely not related to work, in purpose, right? Just to go, you know, shape my thinking elsewhere. Um, yeah, and then, and then, you know, it's, it's, it's becoming a hectic day from that, that point on. Uh, with the boys, of course, and then, you know, at work, uh, since we work a lot with the U.S., it tends to be really late. So those are, you know, this is kind of the the, the hour that I have, and, and I'm really religious about that. Uh, what kind of books do you read? So, you know, I like classics, but I read uh, every time I get a recommendation. You know, now with Amazon, it's easy. I buy the book. So if someone that I appreciate give me a recommendation on a book, automatically at this point, you know, I order it online. And, you know, getting get, get, getting good people to recommend you on good books it's 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 kind of a great process so all over classical new uh, kind of new popular science um all over usually at the at the end, we're not at the end yet but usually at the end of the podcast i asked uh, i asked to, to leave me with a quote but uh if you could already recommend us with a book right at this at this point um a recent one that was uh, really good was Everybody Lies by uh, Matt Davidovich. He's a statistician, and he actually wa- was one of the first to utilize uh, the big data uh, thinking frame to kind of check known facts, uh, which are apparently not, not a fact and not actually known. And it's kind of, you know, it's really open your eyes. Uh, to way you should think about data, to way you should think about its, you know, its representation, how you should interpret it, you know, w- what kind of manipulation can be done, and so on. So everybody lies. Very interesting. I'm gonna go back. You know, we're talking about yourself now, but I, uh, I didn't ask you to share about Orbimed. What, what does Orbimed do? Sure, sure. So Orbimed is a healthcare VC, one of the largest world worldwide. Uh, with over 20 billion asset under management across different funds. Uh, so we have private equity, public, and royalty. We invest only in healthcare. Uh, around 80% of our investment is classical biotech, meaning kind of drugs in different stages of development. And then 20% is uh, uh, digital health and medical device. Um, we build, create, invest in great companies that potentially will change people's lives. Um, so... Yeah, it's exciting. Very short and, and to the point uh, description. Um, if you if you could improve one thing in yourself, what would it be? I would get up more early. I <laughs> uh, no, joking. <laughs> uh, um, uh, I would uh, forgive myself and others more. So, you know, I have high standards and I demand high standards from everyone around me. And now, as a father, I know that, you know, I have to work on this point in particular because, you know, sometimes things happen and your high standards cannot be met. And you should think what's what's really important and not kind of stick to the high standard just because it's high. Yeah, I like that. If you could go back to, you know, I... uh I would like the question is if you can go back to your 23 year old self, but you're you're sitting right across the 23 year old. Uh, <laughs> right. uh, I don't want to say child, but you know, someone who's going through this process of trying to find themselves, school, education, soon a job. I hope. 
Um, what piece of advice would you would you give to anyone who's going through this? Yeah, I, I would say dream big, but really big. I mean, there isn't such a thing as, you know, uh, something that one cannot accomplish, uh, in my view. It's, it's maybe in a cliche, but, you know, in your day-to-day life, you kind of tend to um, compare yourself to the people around you. But if you want to do something different, if you want to, for example, not practice medicine when everybody around you practice medicine after seven years, you dedicated and for and thousands of hours for this education, you know, believe in yourself. There isn't dream that it's big enough. Um, and, you know, you're not, and people around you tell you you're young, you're making the wrong decision, this is not right, you know, you should, you should go at this path. And, you know, you really should, fo- should, should follow that dream, follow your heart. And what characteristics do you think align with that? You know, if it's so, it's it's as always, it's ninety percent hard work. So <laughs> it's gonna be determination. It's gonna be you know getting yourself motivated even when it's get tough. It's gonna be believe in the path and not you know abandon it after a few months or a few weeks or a few years and kind of you know keep your eyes on the goal and keep pushing. Um, and, and going back to, to the army, that was obviously something that was very uh, obvious there, right? Because the mission there are really kind of, you know, physically challenging. So you have to keep physically pushing, but you can take that to the mental world and, you know, keep pushing mentally. I see. And do you, you know, we're sitting here at IDC, you did your MBA here, I'm doing my undergrad here. Do you think a college degree is necessary in today's world? Yeah, you know, I get this question a lot from, you know, kind of young adults. Um, I am a strong believer in education, a really strong believer. Why is uh, that? Because I think that it opens your mind. And in the future world, in today's world, in the future world, you need to open your mind to different disciplines, to different way of thinking, um, to different people. And university, college, you know, any kind of this arrangement opens your mind. And when you opens your mind, you I mentioned that, you learn a new language. And uh, it's like as if you would visit a country where nobody speaks English and they only speak the local language. You, you had limited experience if you didn't know at least certain words, right? It's the same here. So if you don't know the, the basic in finance, you will find it hard. Again, you, you don't have to be a, a CPO, uh, a CPA. I mean, you, you can really uh, have the, the intelligent conversation and get, get to learn and to understand the, their perspective, their position. And, and so I truly believe that uh, in order to kind of open your mind, you should, you, should, uh, you know, have a degree. Amazing. Yeah, I, uh, I come from a family that think the same thing. So it, it's also, I, I believe, the same thing. Uh, and to finish off, a quote. You know, well, what quote would you leave us with? Um, it's it's not. I, I'm I'm not gonna do the full, um, the full poem. But it's uh, Richard Kipling. If it starts with, if you can keep your head, well, all about around you are losing theirs and blaming it on you. If you can trust yourself when all men doubt you, but make allowance for the doubting too. And it goes on. If by Kipling's, it's 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 a wonderful one. Oh, wow, I uh, I will definitely have a read of that. 
So there you have it, everyone. This has been uh, the fourth episode of Beyond the Classroom with Michelle Zar. I will definitely have a read of that. Thank you very, very much for being here. I really appreciate it. And have a great day. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Beyond the Classroom. Beyond the Classroom. Where real life lessons unfold. Life lessons unfold. With Nir Horowitz, Horowitz and Oren Nathan. shows and podcasts available online on our website and on all podcast platforms. Search Audioversity 